now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures, thus keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode, the Rebels look to move a stolen Imperial hyperdrive and flight data recorder off of a fall, while the mystery of the Lost Wolves deepen. There will be Wolf Portals, the Space Parents Kiss, and Warwick Davis makes his Rebels debut. We're talking about Kindred this week. How you doing, Chris? Not bad. That's good. Actually, you know what I did today? What? I officially launched Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons to the public. Ooh. Yeah, so if you go on Gee Girl Experience, you can see where you can listen. I have the first episode up on there. It's There's a beautiful page for it. It's streaming. I'm also setting up merchandise for Geeky Girl Experience, so please help support me. That'd be great. Um, so, yeah, like people can now listen to our other podcasts. So, yay. But yeah, I, I'm really excited that people can now listen to our other podcasts. But just so you know, you're two months behind already. So if you want to be up to date, you can check out the Patreon. Yay! <laughs> We're having fun uh, over at, with uh, Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. We're enjoying Gravity Falls. Or at least I'm enjoying Gravity Falls. I can't oh, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, it's getting better it, and better as it goes along, too. I know. I've been actually uh, rewatching it with my stepmom because... She started watching it, like, right in the middle of season two, but she had never seen, like, season one or the earlier episodes, and and she's one of my patrons, and she was just like, can we watch these early episodes just so I know what's going on when I listen to your podcast? And I was like, sure. And we've already gotten past from where you and I are now, we're in season two already, and she's like, things make way more sense now. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's not as, especially come season two, because season one is very... Season one of Gravity Falls is very episodic, but season two becomes much more serial. And she's just like, wow, things, I actually understand things now. <laughs> so it's fun. So, guys, go check it out. Did you have a good week? I know you're about to get a cat. Uh, went and saw my future cat today. Yeah. Future house cat. No name yet. Possibly Bernice. We don't know. I actually think I saw possibly a sibling of my cat, Zeb, because there was a black cat outside, and we used to have, like, a really big black cat um, that used to hang around here a little, probably about a year and a half, two years ago, and then shortly after that, Zeb showed up, and Zeb uh-huh. is a spectrum. And Zeb's a tuxedo cat, and we've also seen a white cat slinking around here. So we think the original black cat and the white cat might be Zeb's parents because he's a tuxedo cat and they're black and white. But I saw a little, a much smaller black cat today in our yard, but it was smaller than Zeb, but he still had Zeb's like really fluffy tail that he has. So I'm wondering if that might be like Zeb's sibling, but we can't, we can't have another cat. We weren't even supposed to have Zeb, but he wiggled his way into our hearts. 
So <laughs> sadly, we can't have another kitty. I would have so many kitties. I'd be probably a cat hoarder if I had a choice. I would love to foster cats. That's a, something I would love to do. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of they're, work. They're traumatized, you know. It's it's uh, it, it you need time and patience. Yeah. I should just go work at a cat cafe then. Yeah, actually, I bet you there's a long line of people waiting to work at the cat cafe. I would think so, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you ready to get into some Star Wars? I am. What'd you think of uh, this episode? I like this episode a little better than uh, than uh, the last few episodes. I feel the same way. I like this episode a little bit more, too. Um, it's It's different, and... I think it's different because Rook is a very different kind of villain and the Lothwolves just kind of deepen the mystery of what's going on. But I, I like Rook as if I don't even know if I even wrote any Rook notes. Now I think about it. Um, but I like Rook as a being very much of a different kind of villain because he's not your standard Imperial. He's, he's almost like a bounty hunter kind of feel to the, to the yeah. show. Yeah. And, and and I like that. I, I like what he brings to the table. Kindred is the 66th episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on November 6, 2017. It was written by Dave Filoni and Henry Gilroyd, and it was directed by Sergio Pais. Some extra information for you. The Nogri Rook is voiced by Star Wars veteran Warwick Davis. His star, his star Wars roles include Wicket from Return of the Jedi and Weasel from The Phantom Menace and Solo, as well as a slew of other Star Wars. Star Wars roles is very difficult to say. Star Wars roles. He also plays the title character in the movie Willow. This is the first time Rook or the Nogri have appeared in the current canon as an official design. Rook made his first appearance in the Timothy Zahn book, Heir to the Empire. The character's designs changed many times in the EU, from being huge, hulking, big, muscular creatures to being small and wiry. Before it was common knowledge that the Sith were a dark side sect of the opposing Jedi, Timothy Zahn pitched the idea that the Nogri would originally be called Sith. Zahn wanted a way to explain why Vader was the Dark Lord of the Sith, meaning that he personally ruled over the Nogri. Lucasfilm rejected this idea, and the species got the name Nogri instead. This episode, Kanan speculates that the Empire is here looking for something more important, which is why the Lothwolves are helping them, a.k.a. the Empire's looking for the world between worlds, which we will see in a few episodes. Way, 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 way back in Season 2, during the Season 2 opener, my baby girl, Minister Tua, hinted at this as proof to the rebels to help her defect, only she was killed before she could tell them. And I actually went back and I rewatched that scene, and she was just like, guys, the Empire's here, and they're doing something much more sinister. Like, not what you guys see. It's more than just being here on the thought. Like, they're fucking shit up. But she never got a chance to tell them the truth. In Rebels Recon for this episode, Dave Filoni said it was actually tough design-wise to bring Rook to the series because there are so many different designs for him from all over, all over the EU. They had some early designs where Rook was more green and looked a little bit more like a T-Rex. 
but Dave pushed for more creepy and skeletal. They wanted him to be creepy in a different way from how they already shown the Inquisitors to be creepy. They designed him like how they would design a creature over a person in the show, and they gave him personality on top of that creature design. It was more important for them to make sure to showcase Rook's sense of smell because sense of smell was a really huge thing to the Nogri in the original Thrawn trilogy. Warwick Davis uh, was an inspiration for a lot of Rook's facial expressions. As he would perform Rook's lines, he would be so physical in scenes that they gave a video of his recordings to the animators to make sure they captured the nuances of Davis's performances. And when it came to the Heron Kanan's kiss, Filoni said that he didn't want a romance to take over the growth of the characters in the show, which is why they only hinted at it up to this point. Okay, you, whatever. I, mm, I, you know, I'm actually, and I have this note, so I'll go into it more. I'm actually okay with how they handle it in this episode. It's, it's, it's different points where I have issues with it, but I'm actually okay with this episode. I think this episode's fine. You know who's also fine? Oh. Hi, Yoda. How you doing? Oh, not bad. That's good. What'd you do this week? Mm. Um, Yoda's been jazzercising. Mm. That's for you know. This is like the third time today where the words jazzercise has like popped up like somewhere. Mm. Like I was jazzercise powerful in the Force. Yes. Apparently, it is. <laughs> I've seen that pop up in like three or four different contexts just today, and now you're saying it, so apparently it is very powerful mm. in the Force today. <laughs> Has your uh, community Dagobah pool opened up yet? No. No? No, no pool, no tennis courts. Who do you play with, the frogs? Yoda. Yoda plays with himself. <laughs> okay, well, I, I got a question for you, Yoda. Yeah, a question for Yoda. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of a speculating question. So, mm. when in this episode we see cave paintings of what looks to be Jedi coming to Lothal, and one of the cave paintings is looks a lot like your species. Is that you, or is that somebody else? Like, is that your grand Yoda daddy or something? Not Yoda. Not Yoda. Mmm, can't prove it's Yoda. Doesn't look like Yoda. No, too small. Mmm. Okay. Too ugly. Not Yoda. Oh, so it's, is it Yaddle? No, not ugly enough. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's too artistic to be Yaddle. Yes. Then... Yoda's people get around. Yes. Maybe it's Baby Yoda's granddaddy. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe we make lots of babies. Over 4,000 tadpoles at a time. Mm. Oh my god. Yes. We. So, so Wee. that's me. That's a lot of child support. Mmm, child support. Mm. That's where half of the uh, Jedi Council's budget went to, was paying Yoda's child support. <laughs> just just throw him a few frogs every now and then. Mm, baby happy. Mm. Aww. Now I'm just imagining your little tiny tadpoles and they're all like, Daddy Yoda, tell us a story. <laughs> story, mm. tell us you do. <laughs> oh, Yoda tells many stories, yes. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, I just realized you might just scar your children. Oh. Ooh. Well, okay, well, at least we cleared that up. That's not you in the Lothal pictures, so that's good, that's good. I'm, I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> I guess that's cl uh, cleared up. Uh. <laughs> I don't... I don't honestly know. <laughs> honestly, it didn't look like his face is clearing up either. I guy I needs know. a bath, man. You you would think that like the after the jazzercising, you should get hosed down at least. For, for real, like I know, word... I always do. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like seriously, like the for real, like the word jazzercise has popped up like four different times on different feeds, like once on Facebook, once on Twitter, once on YouTube, and now with Yoda, and I'm like, what is with jazzercising today? Gotta mean something. Well, one was the Game Grumps, like they were doing uh, a video about jazzercising for 10 minute power hour, but like other times it was just random, like my friend was like, hey, look at this funny jazzercising video, and Somebody else was like, maybe I should do jazzercising in quarantine. And I was just like, why? Why is this a thing? <laughs> Probably because of quarantine and everyone's bored. I'm actually surprised that Yoda wasn't jizzercising. Yeah. Well, that's the official type of music that Size Snoodles plays. Oh, that is. I always forget it's called jizz. Yep. I always, always. That's what she said. <laughs> Act one. Oh, yes. Bringing back the class. We haven't been as classy as we could, so that that's good. We're 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 we're, we're powering up on our class level. Yeah, I'm already. Like, I, I, you know, you know, in, in my like it's it's been a very long twenty twenty, so Yeah, yeah. It's hard to be to be classy when the world's on fire. <laughs> All right, act one. <clears throat> act one. We open with Kanan and Hera alone at their camp. The space kids have left to recover the hyperdrive they hid from last episode. And Hera's all like, I'm surprised you didn't want to go with them, honey. And Kanan, smooth as ever, is like, well, you and I never get alone time anymore, so I just wanted to be with you. And also, our kids are perfectly capable of getting a hyperdrive without me. And she's all touched and she sits with him. Keenan muses that even before they met Ezra, he and Hera in their past kept coming back to Lothal. It was like they were meant to be here. There's more going on, but he has no idea what it is. Meanwhile, my bitch wife, Arinda Price, is all at the crash site from last week, recovering the downtide Defender Elite. And she calls out Blue Husband out going, Look, Thrawn! Look how useful I am! Will you love me now? And Thrawn is all like, uh, No! 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 In fact, you've sucked at your job for some time now, so I'm sending you some help. Someone I actually trust, because I sure as hell don't trust you. And he hangs up on her, and Ari is so pissed that she stabs a nearby stormtrooper for her stress management. Two stormtroopers are slinking around nearby. Not awkwardly suspicious at all, I say sarcastically, because they're acting suspicious as hell. It's Ezra and Jai Kel looking for the hyperdrive they stashed away. Zeb is waiting nearby with a speeder bike to haul the hyperdrive back to camp. They can't find it because it was dark when they hit it in the first place. But some adorable meowing is heard, and there's the white lock cat sitting on the rock. They move it, and there's the hyperdrive. And Zeb, Zeb is like, 
Okay, Ezra, you cat whisperer, you. You win this round. A ship flies overhead, and it lands nearby in the Imperial camp. Ari does not look happy about this at all. The door to the ship opens, and there's Rook, Thrawn's personal assassin. And Ari is like, Hello, I am Governor Price, and you will listen to me, and... Ah! Ah! Whoa! Ah! Why are you sniffing me? Personal space! Personal space! You are in my bubble! And Rook just flat out fucking ignores Orinda because he smells a Lassat who is really, really, really close to them. And Rook is just running off, not giving two fucks about Orinda Price. Jai sees Rook coming and warns the other. Ezra tells Zeb to get out of there with a the hyperdrive and they will stall for him. Ezra meets up with Rook and tries the whole, Hello, we're just normal stormtroopers. Do you need our report, sir? Because, uh, ah, 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 why are you smelling me? Sir, sir, you're in my bubble space. Sir, sir. And Rook smells the Lassat on Ezra and flips the child to the ground. A fight breaks out, forcing Ezra to fight back. And as Ari and her men show up, he has to take out his lightsaber and blows their cover. Ezra and Jai jump on their speeder to get out of there. Rick grabs his own speeder, tells Orinda that Zeb is still close by, and Rook speeds after the boys, who are both like, Ah! What is that thing? What is that thing? He's gray with his little gray fingers, and he smelled me. What is he? I don't know, Jai. Jai, drive. Jai, you have to drive faster. Go faster. Meanwhile, Zeb is being amazing, like he always is. He's hiding on top of one of the stone pillar thingies and using his own speeder bike as a distraction. While the Imperials are all standing around looking at the speeder bike like like freaking idiots, Zeb slips down and steals their freaking tank and hijacks it. Zeb, my love, please never change. Never change. Followed back with uh, Ezra and Jai, who are still both just like, Bro, what is that thing? It's following us. We don't like it. It's a high-speed chase with the other Stormtrooper bikes. In the middle of all of this, Rook sticks a tracking device on Ezra's speeder. They zoom around more and fast and dive and spin and drive until Ezra throws out a very well-placed detonator and blocks the Stormtrooper's path. Rook jumps the blockade and Ezra shoots out his bike. Now, with no more ride to follow, Rook has to let the boys go at the moment. And at this point, we were almost nine freaking minutes into the episode, so I cut Act 1 there. What'd you think of Act 1? The acts were so weird this episode. Like, Act 1 was 9 minutes. Act 2 was, like, like almost 10 minutes. And Act 3, like, Act, act 3, 3 was, like, 4 minutes. It was yeah, really Yeah, it was weird. really short. So, like, I, I just stopped going by the screen wipes, because that's where all the screen wipes were. I just went by, like, you know what? This is the end of action. <laughs> yeah, I, um... I guess the smooch was was okay in this We're not because the smooch they... yet. Oh shit, that's right. Okay, never mind. Let me draw another line here. Okay. <laughs> so my names, I got two na- potential names for Rook. Kay. Smelly the butt. Not or your dollar best. store cat, dollar store cad bane. <laughs> I kind of like dollar store cad bane. I kind of like that a lot. I, I like it smelly the butt. I, I like it. I like it. We'll call him Dollar Store. Um, my only other note is it's funny that, like, you know, 
that that they're gonna have the whole thing of like oh he's he's tracking ezra's um speeder bike and stuff like that that's how they find him but wouldn't that troop transport port that zeb stole have some sort of gps you know wouldn't the wouldn't the empire be able to track their own equipment you would think i mean hell those public bikes that they have in our in 21st century earth have gps on them i mean the only thing i can think of is zeb probably took out the tracker device and we just didn't see it on screen yeah Um, uh, he did it rather quickly yeah because sabine did that in in the the last episode she took it off the tie defender yeah Um, she had to she had to mess around with it though he was on the run you know he just like got in and like boom sped off i i don't know for all you all we know he could have just put it on like auto drive and took it out but yeah i'm under the uh suspicion that he probably took it off this this is not the first time they stole a tank in rebels so i'm sure they're i'm sure they're experts at like turning off tracking devices but that's all i really had for part one um for me i like this opening um it it reminded me a lot of this uh, this opening act reminded me a lot of season one um, it was a much, still much more smaller personal stories, and I like that we're still recentering back on season one feelings, but building on the nostalgia because our characters have gone farther. Because it had that action pack opening, introducing the new character of the week, just like they used to do in season one. But the stakes are higher; they're much, much higher this time. And and I like that. It, it gave me a lot of the same feelings I got back from watching the first season. Yeah. I can I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um I so I found this episode interesting because up to this point only Jedi have been able to see the White Loth cats and only Jedi have been able to see the Loth wolves. But Zepsi is now the first person to see the White Loth cat other than other than the Jedi. And of course later in the episode everybody sees the Loth wolves. So I'm wondering if there's something just it, it was either either happenstance or people just didn't happen to see them, or if it's something like the force is opening up to them and like l- trusting the group more, not just the yeah. Jedi, the full group more, and letting them see them. Yeah, no, I think that I think they let Ezra see him first because Ezra's the the Doctor Doolittle of the group, you know. Yeah, because Kanan saw the White Lock Cat too, like way way back in season two, but Ryder never saw it. Yeah, so but Kanan ain't seeing nothing now. Yeah, so I, I like that it, it's almost like the Force is opening up to them more. Um, I fucking forgot Zep stole a tank in this episode, and it's great. <laughs> it's just good. I like I like that. Um, as everybody knows, that bitchy Imperials are my favorite. I love them. So I love when Rook arrives and Arunda tries so hard to, like, assert her authority. And she's like, hello, you will listen to me. I'm Governor Price. And Rook just ignores her and just Well, leaves. he's basically like a, he's like a biker version of Cad Bane. You know, Cad <laughs> Bane's sort of like a, a cowboy, but he's more biker, you know? what you're saying i can see that aesthetic on him yeah he's not as like he's he's more like animalistic and just like you know cad bane's got a little bit more of the gentleman about him but this guy's just like i go kill now it runs on all fours too you know yeah um 
I will say they're they're very good at keeping him to his his book appearances too, at least in the new canon. Um, because in Thrawn alliances, when Thrawn when uh, Vader's men are having to interact with Rook, Commander Keeman, who is one of my favorite characters, Commander Keeman is like, "Look, dude, you're not allowed on our ship." Please stop coming onto our ship. And then he'll turn around and Rook's gone and they can hear him just crawling through the vents, not giving a fuck. <laughs> and Keeman's like, I will tell Lord Vader about you. Please get off my ship. And so I like that they're very consistent of all these Imperials are like, Rook, you have to listen to our orders. And he's just like, I don't fucking have to listen to any of y'all. I don't answer to you. I answer to Thrawn. Bye, bitches. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I like that they're keeping that consistent. Um, the only gripe I have about Rook, and this is more of an overall Rebels gripe, is I kind of wish they brought him into the show sooner. I wish they brought him in as early as bringing in Thrawn. And even then, like, not even giving him, like, big appearances, but, like, maybe here and there getting, like, little glimpses of him. Or maybe he played a smaller role in, like, a season three episode. Because he just comes into Rebels so late and on one hand, like, he's, a, he's just a really big part of Thrawn's canon. Dating back to the EU, he's just a big part of Thrawn's canon. But just looking at the Rebel storyline, Rook's a really well, I cool hope you're, character. You're really interested in Thrawn's canon. I am, but, like, just looking at, like, from a Rebel's <laughs> point oh, of view. Oh, I know you are. Looking at just from a Rebel's point of view, like, Rook is a very interesting character. He, as we were saying earlier, he's very different from the other Imperials because he has that bouncy hunter feel to it. And that Cad Bane kind of energy that was so prominent in Clone Wars, we haven't really gotten that in Rebels because Honda's not who he used to be. Vizago and Scrotum Face are not those kind of characters. We haven't had that kind of bouncy hunter energy in Rebels. So I, I like what Rook does for the series because he's just a very different kind of villain. But it just comes so late into Rebels. Like, there's only, like, I think, what, eight episodes left? And so I would have just liked to see him come in in season three with Ron and have that kind of bounty hunter-like energy for the last two seasons. I think that would have been a really cool thing because it's just different from the normal Imperials that we see every day. Uh, I, like when, I like when things just sort of happen ra randomly, you know? Just all of a sudden this guy's here. But then again, I didn't know anything about him being any, you know, part of the, the past Legends stuff or any, any of that stuff. But wouldn't it have been cool to have this kind of character, like, all through Season 3 as well? Yeah, like, I guess. Like, yeah. Separating it from, um, like, separating it from the Thrawn stuff. But having, like, this very Bounty Hunter-esque character that hasn't been in Rebels. Like, wouldn't that have been cool? Yeah. <laughs> if they did i really would have rather it had been cad bane but yeah i mean yeah i i will always want more cad bane at all times <laughs> like i will take cad bane any day over rook hands right, down yeah. i fucking love him and i miss him every day and i'm so sad that we didn't even get the tiniest glimpse of him in the last season of clone wars absolutely but that's all i have for act one all right i'm ready for act two uh, I'm now ready for Act 2. Hold on. Uh, okay, now I'm super ready. Here we go. Act 2. Again, I... The screen swipes were weird, so I didn't break it on the screen swipes because this was like a 10-minute act. 
Back at Rebel Camp, Sabine is ready and waiting for Zeb to show up with a hyperdrive to put on Ryder's ship. Kanan comes up to Hera and asks her about all of this. Because I, as in me, Hope, have been binge-watching the newest season of Queer Eye, I could not unsee this. Kanan comes up with his best, Jonathan Van Ness, and goes up to his space wife going, Queen, yeah, saving the galaxy is big and important. You know, you do such important work. But when is there you time? Where is the time to take care of Hera time, hon? When are you going to focus on you, queen? And Hera says that she will slow down once the Empire is gone and people can live their lives. And Kanan Van Ness is like, what does your life look like, honey? Like, what do you imagine it's going to look like? And Hera admits that she never really thought about it. Kanan asked if she ever thought about them as a couple. And full reminder, fans, Hera's actually pregnant right now with their kid because she leaves in this episode and he dies the next time they're together. So they are obviously a thing. Hera looks at him and says, Kanan, you know how I feel. Do I? He asks back. And before they kiss, an Imperial tank rolls up into their camp. Oh no! But it's okay, it's Zeb, but none of them know that, so they start shooting the shit out of it until they see him. And just about this time, Ezra and Jai arrive back at camp, still not realizing there's a loudly beeping tracker on the back of their speeder. During all of this, Rook has found the rebel camp and sends Governor Price the coordinates. Sabine gets the hyperdrive into ridership just as Ezra sees Price and Rook pulling towards their camp. The rebels are out of time. Though, Rook and Price are bitching at each other, so the Rebels have a few extra minutes. Because Price is all like, No, I was not letting you come alone, assassin. Extra ass ass in. Because you get to have all the glory, and if that happens, Thrawn won't love me. And Rook is like, Listen, lady, I'm just trying to do my job here, and I don't answer to you. Can you step back and let me work? And Price is all like, Oh! But you lost the Lissat, so now I get to win. And Rook is like, um, how many times have you lost these rebels? <laughs> so during all this, Ezra's like, hurry guys, the Imperials are infighting each other. That's gonna buy us at least two minutes of plot. Everyone, do what you need to do right now. So the rebels send Jai away in the speeder with supplies while the rebels pre uh, prepare to hold off the Imperials. Sabine is running down a list of things that might go wrong with the hyperdrive, but Hera's a good space mom and she trusts her space daughter. Kanan comes out of the ship trying to apologize for wanting to tell his space wife that he loves her. And Hera shuts him up by kissing him and is beautiful and the space kids are all like, yeah, our parents love each other. And Kanan has a dumb, bashful smile because of he, she, she kissed him, and it's great. But question, did they not kiss when they had sex when they made a baby? Like, that's kind of awkward. Anyway, Hera gets on the ship and says, May the Force be with you. And she starts up the ship. The rebels are still facing Ari and her tanks, which blow up their tank. So now they are running out of options of how to escape. That is, until Hera hears the cry of the wolves. Oh, ugh, just like that, the cry of the wolves. He looks up, and there's the white loth wolf that helped him last week. And Ezra's like, let's follow those guys. And Ryder is like, what the hell is wrong with you people? 
and with no other choices, they follow the Lothwolves. A rundown rook breaks through into the rebel camp, and rook smells that the rebels are not alone. He wants to hunt him, them down and do his job, but Ari is like, Um, no! I'm gonna prove I'm the best Imperial to Thrawn, because he loves me. <laughs> which, which leads her to calling in air support. Hera and Chopper fly up into space, where Thrawn is waiting for them. A bunch of TIE fighters are chasing after her ship. Then, Captain Hera, Space Mom Syndulla, pulls one of her best moves. She jumps into hyperspace while flying through a construction sphere and rips out part of the insides. And it's amazing. And Thrawn makes a really grumpy face. And there's only like seven minutes left in the episode, so I'm cutting act two there because the screen wipe was still like two minutes away. <laughs> Sounds about well, right. Yeah, it was, God, this episode was cut so weird. What do you think of act two? Oh, they almost pulled a holdo maneuver in it. Different thing. Yeah, a little bit. It was different. They didn't crash into it, but you still got to see that going into hyperdrive ripped up stuff behind it. So I think they were I think they were low key setting up the holdo maneuver. That's actually one of my favorite Hera moments of the entire show. Like it's so cool. I love that moment. It's it's one of my favorite moments of hers. My only other real note for, for act two. Warwick Davis really seriously needs a lozenge. <laughs> I they they had to probably use some digital. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like electronically garbled. Yeah. <clears throat> but you can still hear him under there. Like I can. Oh hear yeah. Him. yeah. Absolutely. Um, didn't you have a Kanan and hair note that you tried to say in Act One? Oh, I did. Yeah. You know, it's. I'm glad they got it over with, you know, but it's still, you know, and I don't buy the like, well, we didn't want the romance to take over or whatever. It didn't have to. You could just have them smooch now and then. It doesn't matter, you know, and and then they had the like little kid moment, though, where everybody looked at him and was like, oh, 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 they're kissing, you know, but it was it was quick and 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 they, they didn't make a huge deal over it. So it's it's fine. I'm glad they got got it over with and and didn't make a big deal out of it. But it's I don't know. It's just always been just sort of goofy and just goofy to me the way the the way the the way they have to be or felt they had to be coy about it. You know it it doesn't bother me in this episode like it does in other episodes um, because in this episode it more felt like the lack of talking about the nitty gritty details of being in a relationship. And I, I've, I've known plenty of people to be that where they're together with a person, but they don't talk about the details of their relationship. They don't talk about their future. They don't talk about that stuff. They're just like, Whoa. yeah, yeah, we're together. And so that's why that, that was actually so much of the energy that I felt in this. Cause there's, there's those scenes where they don't, where he was just like, well, what do you want in the future? And she's like, well, I guess I never really thought about that. Well, and when I, they I were talking about that, he's like picking up her hand and touching her hand, like almost like symbolically, like putting like putting a ring on it. So it was almost like he was almost talking about marriage or something. You know, I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm sure in Star Wars, that's not how marriages are done with wedding rings and stuff like that. But I think at a subconscious level, 
you know, us earth humans watching it sort of, you know, he's talking about the future and he's sort of like holding her hand like people do when they propose to somebody, you know? I mean, yeah, it would be her left hand. Now I'm seeing the image in my mind. It would be her left hand. Um, but I, I guess that's why it didn't bother me this one because it just felt actually a little bit unlike a lot of other scenes where they're surprised where, where, <laughs> where Kanan's like, by the way, Hera, uh, do you do you know that I like you? And she's just like, what? And then a couple episodes from now, in the episode where Kanan dies, she's just like, Kanan, I need to tell you something. I've always loved you. And he's like, whoa, this is such a fucking surprise. Like, that, that's where it bothers me. But this actually just felt like a really realistic thing of, yeah, they've been together, but they actually just haven't sat down and talked about the details. And I liked that. Like, it, it that, that felt very re- real to me because I liked that. And I liked the kiss. Um, it just, The kiss to me just was like, I kind of the same thing, like, finally it happened. Yay! <laughs> um, but more of, like, I'm a fan of, like, yes, they finally kiss. And I actually kind of do like the space kids reaction to it. I just think it's cute because I bet like it was it they were kind of like the audience in that moment because the audience has been waiting since before the series started in the actual shorts, like the very first thing that we saw before the show even aired, they had those four shorts. And we've known as the audience that Kanan and Hera has been together since then. So I, I like the space kids being the audience reaction to that as well because everyone's just like, guess, yeah, yeah, about time. <laughs> So, like, yeah, it doesn't bother me here like it does in other places in season four. I, I actually really like how they handle it here. It was okay. It, it, it was fine. Yeah. Um, again, Imperials bitching at each other is one of my favorite things in all of Star Wars. And Rook and Ari bitching at each other so the characters have, like, an extra three minutes to get out of there is my favorite. <laughs> um... And my only other note is one of my favorite lines in all the Rebels is Zeb going, when things get weird like this, it's a good thing. And Ryder going, how have you people stayed alive so long? I thought he was going to say the Hunter S. Thompson quote when uh, the, when, the th- when things get weird, the weird turn pro. I don't know what that's in reference to. It's life in general. <laughs> it was a Hunter S. Thompson quote. I think the exact quote was when when uh life turns weird the weird turn pro okay saying weird people have the advantage when during weird times i don't know who 100 but when, yeah just the way zeb started saying it it sounded like it was going to come out as a hunter s thompson quote i don't know who hunter s thompson is oh i don't I, have any idea who you're talking about fear and loathing in las vegas Oh, I was supposed to read that for a class, and I didn't. <laughs> oh, it's such a fun book. That was on my list of possible books to read for my nonfiction class, and it was one of the ones I didn't read. Oh. We had, like, a choice of, like, ten books, and we only had to pick, like, three. So that was on the list, and I didn't read it. Anyway, but I just... And then I actually kind of started thinking about, like, just the Rebels in general, and... Yeah, most of the Rebel Alliance probably never will ever get a chance to work with a Jedi. So I'm sure things like, let's run after Loth Wolves is not in their daily lives. Well, for our Rebel scene, like, that's normal. Let's repel yep. the wolves. That's yep. normal. So I, I liked Ryder's reaction of just like, how have you people stayed alive so long? Like, running after wolves. What the fuck? <laughs> but that's all I have for Act 2. 
All right. Ready to yeah. finish this Lothwolf off? Yes. And get let's get weird. Act three. Act three. Ezra and the Space Family are sprinting after the Lothwolf, going deeper and deeper into the rock formation mountain thingies. They're running, they're weaving, they're chasing animals. So, you know, a normal Tuesday afternoon for our heroes. They turn a corner and there's the Lothwolves waiting for them in an opening. And the Space Family is rightfully wary as they proceed because, you know, wolves. And Ezra's like, wait guys, I'm the Wolf Whisperer. I'll go first. And he eases into the center of the wolves and comes up to the one he's connected to since last episode. And he asks, <coughs> I just choked on spit. He asks if there's a way out and if the wolf wanted them to follow. And just in the middle of all this, Ari's like, send in the tie bombers. So there's tie bombers coming. Ezra asks the wolves what they want. And the white one looks at Kanan, which Kanan consents. And when Kanan comes forward, all the wolves go inside of a cave. The rebels follow them inside. Sabine turns on her flashlight and there are cave paintings of people following the wolves into the caves. The wolves have stopped and everything starts to shake. The Empire is bombing the mountains. The white wolf offers his tail to Ezra, who tells everyone else to hold hands. They form a human chain and the wolves guide them deeper into the cave. And the cave starts to glow and the wolves are actually entering part of the world between worlds that's connected to Lothal, which I had to look up on Wikipedia just to make sure that's correct. <laughs> so they're actually entering the world between worlds. And they lead the heroes through the world between worlds, like a hyperspace through the planet. And our heroes then lie in a grassy plain, and there's a white loth cat there, and it licks their face, but they wake up and they're not in a grassy plain, they wake up inside of a cave on the other side of the planet. And the wolf is looking all proud of his handiwork, and it's really, like, mystical and stuff. They're all shocked that they're actually in the southern hemisphere of Lothal. Ezra has no idea how any of this happened. And he goes back inside the cave with Kanan and the wolves. Ezra describes the cave paintings to Kanan, where there are people coming down from the sky. And some of the people look like Yoda's species, too. Which is why we had that Yoda question. Ezra believes that they are images of the Jedi, especially since this cave reminds him a lot of the Jedi Temple on Lothal. And then, the White Wolf repeats the word that he said last week to them. Doom. And Kanan looks shooken. Kanan says that's his real name, Caleb Doom. He puts his hand on the wolves and senses that they have a much, much deeper connection to Lothal, more than the average animal. And Kanan starts to think that the Empire must be something much worse here than just the TIE Defenders. And Kanan's like, Ezra, remember back in Season 2 when Minister Tua was trying to defect and she tried to tell us that something really bad was happening here and then Vader and Callus killed her? And suddenly Alexander Callus kicks in the door saying, Guys, stop telling people about that! Stop telling people I killed Tua! I feel really bad about that, guys! I'm a good guy now! I said I'm sorry for killing Tua! And Ezra pushes Callus out the door, and he and Kanan watch as the wolves milled away and disappear into the walls. And the image on the wall where the wolves vanish looks like the Lothal Temple. And we end seeing that Hera has made it back to Yavin 4 and delivers the TIE Defender data personally to Mon Mothma. The end. 
Uh, they're doing some more uh, building up for The Last Jedi, I think, in this, with the Lothwolves basically follow the dogs into the caves. <laughs> you know, following animals through a cave. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I thought you meant more with, like, um, kind of like, like the mysticism of, the, like, the ancient Jedi and stuff. No, more like the, the crystal foxes. It's a, a similar par- little parallel, I thought. Okay. I see that. But, uh, yeah, this was, this was a part that, like, kind of kicked it over a little bit. I like that. I, I'm, I'm glad, like, now it's, it's, it's starting to build into the final, um, culmination of, of, uh, rebels and, and getting into the, the, the sort of, sort of like, it's going to be a combination of like the really neat mystical stuff and just the like crazy stuff coming up. And I like the crazy stuff in this too. So like it's starting, starting to bubble up. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I like this. It's it's sort of like the last, like pretty much all of season four, but it's starting to heat up a little bit. So I like this one. This one gets a little bit more juice for me. That's all I really yeah. got on on this episode. Um, let's see. Where do I want to go? Uh, let's start with my smaller notes first. Um, so I like when they come out and they see that they're in the southern hemisphere, and in the background. There's rivers, and I'm trying. I don't think we've ever seen a river in Lothal. I can't. I can't no. Think of it. No, and there's rivers in the background. And then I started. I remembered that Lothal has oceans, and like one. I remember. I don't remember what season it was in, but I remember very early on with us doing Rebels. I had mentioned that I wish at some point we got to see the ocean of Lothal, because I I think Lothal's capital city is on the edge of the ocean, but we never got to see that. Um, and I, I, so I'm just like, so when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, there are rivers. Look, the, go play in the water, children. Like, go, go. Because we've only ever seen the grasslands and the mountains. And so that, I was just very, very, very excited about the rivers. I got super excited, probably more than I should. <laughs> um, those three notes all have to do with the wolves. So I'll come back to those three. My, my other small note is I just love that Ari is playing military because she's a governor with no military training. Right, <laughs> she, right. And she's just playing military. Just and it. she yep. Taking it till she makes it. And it's so obvious she has no idea what she's doing. Because like, I, I started thinking, like, because Brooke wants to go after them, after the wolves, are they run all off of the woods, uh, or the, with the wolves, and... He probably wouldn't have captured all of them, but I would say Rook probably stood a chance of capturing at least one of them and probably stood a really good chance of doing that. But Ari was like, no, we're going to blow up the mountains because I need to show my power because I'm a good governor. And I'm just like, oh, God, Ari, I love you to death, but like, ugh, <laughs> let Rook do his job. <laughs> Stop trying to prove yourself. But uh, that's that's what I love about Arinda Price, too, is that she's so... She's so cutthroat, but she's also so, like, absorbed in her own power, her own rise to power, right. which right. is her, which is her character flaw. Like, that's Very what imper- it's, it's like an imperial character flaw. <laughs> yeah. 
But it's just so much like even crazier, especially because she's she's a governor. She does not have military training and she's trying to play a war. So it makes it even more glaringly obvious that she's this is not her forte. And that's what I like about it, because it really showcases like this huge character flaw in Arenda. And and I, I love that about it because I think it's done really well. Um, so another okay, so my three Lock Wolves things. Uh, one's a theory, one's a reference, and one's actually about the episode. So we have another Princess Mononoke reference um, when the wolves are stepping through the, wolf, the world between worlds and you have the white ripples spreading out from their feet. That is almost exactly frame for frame how the great forest spirit in Princess Mononoke walks. There's a scene where he's stepping in grass and the grass just like sprouts into life and then like falls into death with each of his steps. And it I looks... saw that video that you sent me with that. Oh. And and I mean, the whole look of those big wolves are almost exactly the same. The way they move, the way they're built, the size yeah. of them, <laughs> their, yeah. their, you know, their general size and I, proportion to humans. That's why I wanted to send you at least the trailer because I knew you hadn't seen the movie. But at least like with a tra- that trailer, like you kind of had an idea of like, yes, you can see where Dave pulled from this movie. Um, very much so. So that was that was another shout out to Princess Mononoke. Um, let's do the actual episode and then I want to go back to my theory. Um, I love how the wolves are connected to the Force. And I remember watching this for the first time, and I was actually kind of weirded out they were able to, like, hyperspace travel through the planet. And it goes back to that thing of, like, I love how deep they're connected to the Force, and I love this Force mythology. But it's almost to the point where, again, like we were saying last week, it's so mystical that it almost doesn't work. Does that make sense? Well, in in this case, at this first juncture... Like, and especially watching this the first time, it was almost like a cheat code. Oh, the wolves took him to the other side of the planet. Yeah. But as we start learning more, you know, about the nature that, you know, there's there's going to be a little bending of time and space <laughs> going yeah. on in the in in the near future. So it makes a lot more sense that they go through the middle of the planet, that they just sort of, you know bend time and space but yeah the first time through it's just kind of weird it just seems to a little convenient of a, an escape magic yeah. wolves come and save us you know yeah and actually that's i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a really good point because while i had issues with this the first time i watched it i actually have less issue with it now the second time through because i know what happens and it works better the second time through so and i think a lot of it is i just haven't watched season four as much as i've watched the other three seasons so it's not though it's not my strongest point of rebels so i'm actually really hoping as we continue like the wolves will continue to get stronger for me because i i struggled a lot with them the first time i watched this this season yes yeah, so did working- i they're working a lot better now, um, but there's just still something about them that I can't quite put my finger on, um, which I'll get to you in, in one moment when I get to my, my speculation theory kind of question thing. Um, but I also like the sound effects and the visual effects of them going through the world between worlds, as we now we now know that that's the world between worlds. Thank, thank you, Wikipedia. I had to look it up. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure. But like everything's kind of like almost muffled. And you have that beautiful thing of like when they're walking um, and the white ripples are coming out from the feet, they almost sound like they're walking. 
I don't want to say like on a gong, but it has that just kind of like bone. Yeah. No, it's ri rippling and vibrating. Yeah. And then you have that moment where they're in the grasslands with the white loth cat. And it's very trippy because then they suddenly wake up in a cave. They're not actually in the grasslands. But even then, like all the sound, even with the white loth cat, is kind of muffled a little bit. Like everything's almost slightly underwater. And it, it's very mystical and very trippy. So I really love the visuals and the sound effects during that sequence. Yeah. Um, and I, so my, my last note is, this is kind of a, goes back to the, I haven't watched season four in such a long time. So I honestly don't remember. Do you happen to remember why they want Kanan? I don't remember. The wolves? Yeah. I think, I think there's, I think there's a little bit of, communicate well Kanan actually does sort of like walk up to the wolf I I think Kanan is I think the wolves are telling Kanan a bit about his future or being like you know be ready for you know Kanan seems to be piecing together that maybe he might not be long for this plane of existence so I think the wolf like you know who knows the wolf could be a manifestation of Kanan from outside of time through the force, you know, and he's helping himself through through a rough patch, you know, a transitional patch or something, or he's or they just are helping him and saying like, you know, get ready, you're gonna have to, you know, you you it's gonna get intense. <laughs> because like I I was I was reading ahead a little bit about the Loth Wolves and after Kanan's death. There's a super big wolf named Doom. And I was reading the Wikipedia article about it, and it was like, Doom is actually the Kanan's will taking the form of the cosmic force. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, and so, so basically, like, it's almost like he turns into a Patronus or something. Yeah. Um, and so this, this is where I have kind of my theory, my speculation of what was what the wolves could possibly trying to be trying to do but then things happen um because they're they're clearly trying to get Kanan and Ezra to go to the Lothal temple because we know in a few episodes that the empire is ex excavating this temple and digging it up and like trying to crack into it we we know that in a few episodes so the temple is actually in danger and so is the world between worlds which is why they're trying to get them there and my theory is I think it's possible that Kanan was supposed to be the one to go into the world between worlds, or he was supposed to go with Ezra together, but because Kanan died, Ezra had to continue. And that's that's kind of my theory um, of maybe that's what was supposed to happen, that they were oh, supposed maybe. to go together. Because Ezra's connected to Lothal, but they're trying to connect with Kanan. So... That's just a speculation of maybe they were supposed to go together, but then Kanan died. Um, so that's that's kind of my theory, but I don't think we've ever gotten a hard answer about why the wolves want Kanan. I, I, don't, I don't recall this, and I was reading ahead, and I didn't see anything that was like, this is why the wolves wanted Kanan. So that's that's kind of like my theory. I, I think, I, think right. I, I, I would think, I like my theory is they're telling him, they're they're giving him some hints into the future so so they can make sure that he's on on that path, you know. Yeah. And and it might be necessary that he sacrifices himself, you know, or, or whatever. And they're just telling, you know, 
telling him you got to get you you got to make sure that this you know that your friends get away you know that's that's your mission here you know it might be a one-way what you know they might be telling him he's on a one-way mission and and uh keep it on the down low yeah but kanan's Kanan's been kind of cryptic and kanan's been sort of acting like someone who knows he doesn't have much time Ever since he's been blinded, it feels right, like his right. entire path has been shifted right. to this. Right, and he's like a little more tapped into the force too. So, in the, and then the Lothwolf, so he, you know, he might be a little bit more keyed into his his line of fate. Yeah, but that's all I have. I don't have anything else for uh, this episode. Do you? No. All right. Oh wait, it's time for Chris's favorite part. Of the episode where he has to say a nice thing about Thrawn. Thrawn was in this episode. Okay. I like hologram Thrawn because it's a tiny little half of Thrawn that you can hold in your hand. You're getting worse, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) we all knew it was going to happen. I have to dig deeper. I have to dig deeper and try harder. Every time. Oh my God, that's why it's fun. Oh, but but a half, of, half a tiny half a Thrawn is better than a whole life-size Thrawn. He can hold him in his hands. And you can hold Chris, him upside down. You can put him in a, in a pitcher of water. And Chris thinks hologram Thrawn is super cute. Heart. Heart, heart. <laughs> All right, because now you get to score it up. I gave this one a nine. Really? Wow, Off that's how good I thought. Oh, I've been I've been scoring about eight point five consistently, oh. which is a pretty high high stand like high higher than standard good. So this one this one gets a nine. That's true. You have been scoring higher than I have so far season four. It also means that I'm going to have some higher than nine scores coming up in the because I know there's some episodes I really like coming up. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going into a high score zone, I think. Why was it a nine? Huh? Why was it a nine? Because I've been scoring the last like probably five or six episodes like eight. No, I mean, like, what about the episode? Did it make it a nine? Oh, the 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 end of it, the the when it starts to get into the into the mystical shit, man. That's it's starting to it's starting to heat up into that that uh that whole you know I'm I it's built to me it builds to the scene with bubble bubble boiling trouble Papa Palpatine like in in full you know when we get to like full weird batshit weirdness. Yeah. So. So I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm excited that we're starting to get into that. We're starting to move into that realm, you know. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I like this episode a lot. Um, a lot more than because season four has been just kind kind of consistently good, and this kind of just took it up a little bit of a notch. I like the introduction of Rook because he just brings a completely different energy to the show that we haven't really seen in Rebels. It's an energy that we haven't really seen since Clone Wars. And I, I also, I will say I'm a little biased because I like Rook in the No Green, the Thrawn book. So that's, there is a little bias in it. But I also like the wolves adding such more, I wrote the musical side. I meant to write the mystical side. 
<laughs> the wolves broke out into a jazz hands. <laughs> we are the wolves. We're here to take you into hyperspace. No, they bring up the mystical side of the force. And it's fun. It's moving the plot right along. So I, I actually gave it an 8 out of 10. Because I've been scoring in the 7s. So I, I I like this a lot more, too. Hmm. Um, this week, we only have a little bit of feedback. And we're starting to catch up on ourselves. And, guys, I understand it's corona time. And a lot of people aren't driving and stuff anymore. Or going to work to listen to podcasts. So if you comment on an older episode, please just let me know um, because I'm not actively looking for new comments in older episodes. So just let me know if you do. I will that way I know to go get it and I'll be more than happy to read it on the show. Um, so just FYI, I know like everything's Corona E and stuff. So if you comment on an older episode, just just let me know. But as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. And this week, our feedback comes from Facebook for our episode for Zero Hour. And it comes from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah. It says, do not piss off Bendu. Oh, no. I think Bendu versus Thor would be a good fight. That would be Yes, it would. Good. I think they would end up buddies quick enough. I think they would beat on each other for a little while and throw some lightning back and forth and then kick back some space space liquor. Uh, absolutely. Candy! Candy time! Do you it'd be hard to beat last time. I know. I want to do one of the sake favor ones. There's lemon sake, um... Ume sake and Japan sake. Which one do you want to do? Um. Let me see. Where, where the hell did they go? I have my boxes separately. I did not mix the new box and the old box together. Oh, I got them in my. I got them in my old box. Okay. I don't know which sake would you rather do. Um, I'm currently holding the Japan Sake, so... That's what I'm holding, so there we go. Japan Sake. Well, if you don't know what we're doing, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he is a weirdo. And our friend Dario Gonzalez, who is Chris's co-podcaster for Eat and Beat It, sends us candy from all over the world to review. <laughs> they smell like liquor. I know. And this week we are doing the Japan Sake from... Well, you guessed it, Japan. I, I've i had one of these already, and yeah, I love Sake. We've talked about it, and you're, not, you're a Sake fan. I'm not a Sake fan, so I'm I I'm absolutely interested. am. Oh, it smells so good. Mmm. Oh, God, and it tastes like Sake. Um, what it I manages like, to taste like alcohol. What I like about these is when you first bite into them, they taste kind of like sweet, like a Kit Kat. But it's the after flavor that tastes like sake. It's like it, a little bit of alcohol. Yeah, you get that really, really, really strong sake taste in the aftertaste, like as you're breathing. Because you can smell it and it's in the aftertaste, but it's not when you bite into it. It tastes just like a Kit Kat, like a white chocolate Kit Kat. And then you get hit with that sake flavor. And I love it. I love sake so much. Mmm. Mmm. I've already good. eaten these. I couldn't wait to eat them, so when we first got these, I was like, yes, eat the sake If it tasted one. more like sake, I probably wouldn't like it, but I like this. Yeah, it's not like straight-up sake. It's still subtle enough and t still tastes like candy enough. It's like, uh, a, it's like a rum cake or something, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just got that little little bit of twang to it. Twang. Oh, yeah. mm, 
Thank you, Dario. We love you. Mm. <sighs> well, do you have anything else for Kindred? I do not. Well, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our podcast where we post all the podcasts. And um, we're cur- currently doing a daily daily podcast for all the people who are homebound and want a little short podcast every day are the Two True Freaks Comics Draft. You know, and, you, uh, you've, been, you've been mentioning Comic Chef for a while now. Explain what the Comic Draft is. It's uh, we got ten, ten, 10 various podcasters and and um, uh, bloggers and all different people, and uh, we're we're going through seven rounds and they're picking a seven-member Justice League from the pool of DC superheroes, and at the end they will um, they will pick the artistic team for each of their to, to illustrate the adventures of their comics, and I. I believe we're going to have a little contest to have people write scenarios for them of like who they would battle and and we're also going to have a little poll at the end to see which one people like best. And oh, we'll so de- it's kind of like a March Madness would like a we'll, dream. We'll declare play. a winner. Yeah. And and um and then we'll be doing a we'll be doing a round uh, a a similar round but we'll be doing it with action heroes. So you pick your own action hero team. Are you guys going to be doing it with Marvel characters? It will. It will be no. It will be just with movie characters. You can pick Indiana. You know, Indiana Jones for for example. It'll be non-superpowered characters. You can pick like John McClane from Die Hard or something like that. You couldn't pick like RoboCop. Maybe you could pick RoboCop. I don't know. We, we'll we'll hash that out. But I think it'll mostly be just like human characters. Like we we discussed, you could pick Laura Croft, even though she's a video game character, because there's been um, movies with Laura Croft in it. So okay, cool. She's a movie character, so like, you know, that generally those kinds of characters, you know, action action heroes from a movie that are just a human that that goes through lots of adventures. So that'll be that that'll be the next one we're doing. We've got all sorts of ideas for for I'm sure we'll have an Avengers one eventually. And uh, yeah, every day we have a new we have somebody you know a new pick by one of the judge by one of the um, contestants. So you know every every day you see their their team build up a little bit. Okay, I just I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like I know what the comics draft is, but I don't think Chris has ever actually explained what the com- comics draft what is it on is. the show. That's what it is. You can cool. also find us on Facebook, the dreaded Facebook. Um, we have the Two True Freaks podcast there, which is where we will be having all our polls and stuff on the, the draft when it winds up in, in another, like, probably a couple weeks from now. Um, when that round, when that, that when the uh, Justice League one round winds up. Um, and we also have the Two True Freaks Cantina on Facebook, where you can just go to sort of a forum to go hang out and talk. We are also on Twitter, if you search for Two True Freaks, and you will find it's run by Gene Gene, the hashtag machine. Let me see if I can get my chair to squeak to the beat. Da, 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 Gene. <laughs> okay. So it the sounds like a you- parakeet in a cage in the background. You know, the one time I want my chair to squeak, it's not squeaking. 
Yeah, it's just like when your baby says something cute or your your pet says something cute and you can't get him to do it again. Oh, Zeb is the king of that. Like he'll be doing something cute and I'll like slowly reach over and pick up my phone and slowly bring it back. But like right when it's in position, he's just like, I'm done. Just <laughs> I'm looking just like, at you. Yeah, yeah. Here, you asshole. That's why you should wear a body cam at all times. Just like a cop, you'll be a cat cop. No, I'm good. <laughs> Zeb, I'm reading you your rights. You have the right to have your back scratched. You have the right to catnip on demand. We're legalizing everything here. <laughs> We're legalizing everything! <laughs> but that, that's, uh... <laughs> From Gravity Falls. Crossing the streams, yes. Ah, uh, but that's that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? That's a good segue, because you can find me at geekygirlexperience.com, where we have a Gravity Falls podcast that me and Hope does. Or me and Hope. Me and Chris does, called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And right now, we're currently talking about Gravity Falls. You can find that on iTunes and Podbean, but if you go to geekygirlexperience.com, you can also find it on there. Love if you do it through the website. That's really helpful for me. But I run our JGuys and Jedi Twitter, which you can find at JGuys and Jedi. You can also find me at Hope Molnax, and I also have a excuse me, uh, an account over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia, where I write fan fiction. Um, yeah. What are we doing next week? <laughs> oh, I think it's Crawler Commandos, if I remember correctly, because this aired with the Crawler Commandos. Yeah, we get to see Seth Green next week. We haven't seen Seth Green since Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he's one of my favorite characters of Clone Wars, and if I remember correctly, I, you know, his character in this one was okay. Yeah, but he won't be bringing Cad Bane with him. I yeah. know. I know. So, all right, you guys, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.